You're listening to the training podcast from PursueGod.org, the official training channel for pastors, small group leaders, and disciple makers. Find more resources to help train your church at PursueGod.org slash training. Hey, everybody. We are in week number three of our Pursuit Training Edition. This is the fast track version of the Pursuit, which means we're taking the 12 topic or 12-week pursuit series from PursueGod.org, and we're doing it in four weeks. So this is for followers of Jesus who want to get trained up real quickly on how to disciple someone using the Pursue God tools. Now, in module one, we covered the first three lessons. That was the first training uh, episode. If you missed that, make sure to go back and listen to that one. In module two, we talk about trusting Jesus, which is topics four, five, and six. That's all about discovering what is sin, who is Jesus. And then in topic number six, hopefully for the person that is really a new, you know, like a seeker, they're not a believer yet, or or maybe they're not sure if they're a believer, hopefully you led them to faith, you helped them to uh, respond in faith to Jesus and become a Christian And boy, that's awesome. If that's what happened in topic number six, then here we are. We're turning to topic number seven. And in the next three topics, uh, this is the honoring God module. So remember, if we just zoom out, what we're talking about in the pursuit is we're helping people understand how to become a full circle follower of Jesus. So if you have that like pursue God circle in your mind, you know, the three arrows, like a recycle uh, logo. The first arrow is trusting Jesus. We start by trusting Jesus. That's what we covered in topics four, five, and six. This module covers the second arrow. And the second arrow is all about honoring God. Now, a few comments about this. First of all, if the person that you're discipling is not a Christian, and they even admit it, they're like, I'm not really ready to become a Christian, it probably doesn't make sense to go on to topics seven, eight, and nine. It probably would make make more sense to just put a pin in the pursuit, say, why don't we pause? Why don't we wait? Let's come back to this later. Why don't we go do some other topics from the other categories at PursueGod.org? And when you're ready, let's go back to topic number six, because here's here's what's important for you as a discipler to understand, and it's important that you communicate this to the person that you're discipling. It's that if they're not ready to put their faith in Jesus, then there's no sense in talking about honoring God with your life. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's right from the Bible. So if they haven't trusted in Jesus, then everything we're going to talk about in these next three lessons make no sense because they're doing it from a works perspective. They're not doing it from a faith perspective. They're doing it to be a moral person, to be a good person. And that can't save anybody. And so as a disciple, it's important for you to articulate that. Now, that might sound harsh, but you don't have to be harsh about it. Just be matter of fact about it and just say, look, if you're still on the fence about who Jesus is, that's great. That's fine. But then let's come back to topic six when you're ready for it. And so, you know, this is how I said it in the last training topic. Think about topic six as kind of like the hurdle that people need to get over before they can finish the pursuit. And so... You know, keep that in your mind, keep that in their mind, make sure that they are aware of that truth, and, um, and, and prayerfully, you'll come back to topic six, 
and then you once you once you successfully complete topic six, then you can move on to topic seven. So successfully completing topic six means the person who prayed to receive Jesus as their personal savior, that's awesome. Topic seven is just for them. But it's also for the person who is going through this, who maybe already is a Christian. Maybe they say to you, no, I'm already, this has been really helpful. It's been a good review for me to go through the pursuit, to learn about sin and Jesus and faith. But maybe the person you're discipling has already placed their faith in Christ. Maybe they already consider themselves a Christian. That's wonderful. So now you get to topic number seven. And topic number seven is titled, What is Baptism? And it's everything you need to know about baptism. Now, I'm going to read through these, these five talking points about baptism. I'll read through the scripture to go with it. And then we're going to talk through some scenarios with the person you're discipling. Because it's likely that they're going to need to get baptized. And I want to talk you through that. But first, let's look at the talking points. Number one, baptism doesn't save you. We start a relationship with God by trusting Jesus and his finished work on the cross. So talking point number one is just a summary of what we already mentioned in topic number six. But it's important to, to restate it, that baptism is not a work that saves you. It's not like God is up there waiting for you get to, to get baptized so that he can consider you his son or his daughter. Number two, Jesus said to get baptized, and that's the main reason we should do it. Matthew 28, 19 which, by the way, is a verse that we're going to come back to in the last module of the pursuit, because it's a verse all about disciple making. But here's what the verse says. He's talking to his disciples after he's, a, after he's resurrected from the dead and before he ascends into heaven. Jesus says to them, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is called the Great Commission. He commissions his disciples to go make disciples and then to baptize them when they come to faith in Jesus. And that's all we're doing is we're trying to be obedient that he said to do it, so we should do it. If he told us to jump off of a bridge, we would do that too. But thank, thankfully, he doesn't tell us to do that. He does tell us to get baptized. And so we should do it. That's the second talking point. Third talking point, baptism is an early act of practical obedience. And it's one of the easier commandments. Now, we see that in Acts chapter 8. That's where, you know, uh, let's see, who is it? Stephen is sharing the gospel with uh, the Ethiopian, no, sorry, Philip. Philip is sharing the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch, and they come to some water, and they say, why can't I be baptized? And so what we can tell from that is it's pretty clear that Philip, while he shares the gospel, he also talks about baptism, which is why we're also talking about baptism in the pursuit we wanted to make sure that baptism is a topic that we cover because it's biblical to cover this topic when you're discipling someone. So it's an act of practical obedience. And it's one of the first things you get to do to show that you're obedient. Now, there are going to be other things as you disciple this person. There are going to be other things that they're going to realize that God wants them to do to be obedient to him that are going to be harder to follow through on. But baptism's not that hard. I mean, getting dunked in water is not that difficult. And so it's an early act of practical obedience. What I like to say to people is, if you're not willing to be obedient on baptism, then what are the other things you're not willing to be obedient on? I, I want to just say something to you for a second here uh, as a disciple maker. As you're bringing someone through this topic, 
you know, you might feel like, wait, is this my responsibility? I'm not the pastor. Isn't baptism like a church thing? No, baptism is a discipleship thing. So if you're the one discipling the person, then you should make sure to teach them everything. And baptism is one of the things. So it is your responsibility to talk about baptism. Now, you're, you might not be the one to baptize them, although it just depends. I think you should make sure to talk about, the, talk about this with the pastor at your church. Talk about the logistics of this with the pastor at your church, because, because hopefully the pastor at your church is going to be super excited that you're discipling somebody and that they're ready to get baptized. And if, if your church isn't familiar with Pursue God or the Pursue God resources, you might want to share the pursuit with your pastors so that they know what, you're, what curriculum you're using to disciple the person. But at the end of the day, disciple maker, it's your job to make sure that the person you're discipling gets the message loud and clear that they should get baptized. So you should be the one to say that. You should say you need to get baptized. And by the way, I want to just say this. If you're discipling someone and you haven't been baptized, you should get baptized. <laughs> I mean, you can't lead someone where you've never been before. So if you became a Christian, let's say when you were 12 years old, but you never got baptized for whatever reason, maybe it wasn't emphasized at your church growing up, but you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been obedient on this act. Here's the thing. You get baptized first, talk to your pastor or a you know, somebody in your life who is a mentor for you, get baptized, be obedient, get baptized so that you can have this conversation with all the people that you're going to be discipling in your life. Okay. All right. So baptism is an early, is an early act of practical obedience. And it's one of those, it's kind of the low hanging fruit. So get baptized. Number four, baptism is an act of identification. And this comes from Romans 6, verse 3. And here's, here's what the identification is. You're, number one, you're identifying with Christ. But number two, you're also identifying with his church. And not, we're not just talking about like a local church. You know, baptism shouldn't be like a membership thing. But you are identifying with, identifying with his church like overall. Like all the believers throughout time, throughout the world, you are identifying like this is one of these common commonalities that every Christian should have is that you've all been baptized in water. Romans 6 verse 3. Paul says, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. So what he's talking about here is that baptism is like a is a is a is like a way to connect he uses the word join with. It's a way to connect with Christ and we'll, we'll see why a little bit more here in a second. We connect with Christ in his death and resurrection. That's what baptism is all about. But notice he uses the word we. He's saying we were joined with Christ. We joined him in his death. It's important that you understand that you, and that you help the person that you're discipling to understand that the Christian faith was never intended to be like this solo venture. It, the Christian faith isn't just an individualistic journey. Now, last week in topic six, you would have prayed a very personal prayer with the person you're discipling. So that's a very individualistic thing to do, to pray a prayer. And that's appropriate because the Bible says to do that. But the Christian faith is a corporate faith. And it, it's important that we join, that we join 
together with Christ. So we join with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, so it's, it's connecting both to Jesus, it's identifying with Jesus, but it's also identifying with his people, with his church. That's really important. You know, I hope you're not just discipling someone and then they're never going to connect to a local church. I don't think that's biblical. I don't think that's helpful. Now, it's important that they're connected to a healthy local church, but they should be connected to a local church or a, or a house church or something. This is really important because baptism is an act of identification both with Christ and with his church. So that's the fourth thing. The fifth thing is, is really simple. It's that baptism is an outward symbol of an inward reality. So baptism is what a lot of churches will call a, an ordinance. An ordinance, there are two ordinances in most evangelical churches. One is the ordinance of communion. You know, when we, when we take the bread and the wine, and those are outward symbols of inward realities. It's an outward symbol of what Jesus did on the cross and how that's impacted us personally. That's what communion is. That's one ordinance. But baptism is another ordinance. So it's a symbol. It's something that we do on the outside to sort of symbolize what's happening on the inside of us. Romans 6, 4 explains it. It says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Okay, so here's the picture. We were buried with Christ by baptism. That's kind of water, the water. We go into the water. Hopefully... You believe in, in immersion. That was the way that they did it 2,000 years ago. So you're immersed in the water, in a river, in a pool, in a baptistry. You're immersed in the water, which represents his death. And then you come up out of the water, which represents his life. And that's what you're doing is you're, you're symbolizing on the outside. It's like good for you to see it. And it's good for everyone else to see it, that that you're, you've gone into the water, you're dying to your old self, you come out of the water and you're, you're like, you're ready to live to this new life, this, this inside out life that Jesus accomplished for you. And so those are the five things about baptism. And that's everything that you need to know about baptism. Now, technically, that's not everything you need to know, because you might have some situations with the person you're discipling where they have some questions. Like, let's say they, they say, I was baptized as an infant. Should I get rebaptized? Well, we have some additional topics you might want to cover with them to help answer those questions. Go to pursuegod.org forward slash baptism. Another question is they might say, well, what if, what if I was baptized in a cult like the Mormon church or Jehovah's Witness? Should I get rebaptized? That one's easy, by the way. Yes, you should get rebaptized because that baptism didn't represent what, what this represented. But again, you can find all of that at pursuegod.org forward slash baptism. They might have a question about how, you know, what if, I'm, what if my kid wants to get baptized? We've got all those questions answered as well on the baptism page. So that's topic number seven, what is baptism? Again, if the person that you're discipling is a follower of Jesus who has not yet been baptized, you should get with the pastor of your church and coordinate the details and help make that happen. And hopefully, discipler, you're the one who's going to baptize them because that's how we do it at our church. We think it's important that the, the discipler, because that's what Jesus said, go make disciples and then baptize them. So if you're the one making the disciple, we think it's appropriate for you to be the one, at least one of them, 
to baptize them. That's topic number seven. Now remember, topic seven, eight, and nine is in the Honoring God module. So baptism is just the first part of honoring God. It's important, but it's just the first part. The next thing, topic number eight, is called Three Keys for Christian Living. And it comes from this verse from 2 Peter 1, 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And what we key in on is this. He says, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And we paint a picture in topic number eight. It's a three-legged stool, you know, like a stool that's made to stand on three legs, that you need all three legs of the stool. And here are the three legs, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and other believers. So that's the trifecta for Christian living. If you want to really live a godly life, if you want to honor God for the rest of your life, which is what God wants, right? The Bible says that that God wants you to honor him, that your goal should be to honor him, that you should find out what pleases God and do it now that you're a Christian. He cares about your works. But the, the question that someone might have is, well, how do I do it? Like, how do I all of a sudden start living this new kind of life well, these, that's where these three keys come into play. You need to make sure to understand the Holy Spirit's role in this. You need to understand the Bible's role. And you need to understand the role of other believers. So let's talk about that. Number one, the Spirit leads us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit empowers us to honor God every single day. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. It says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And so this is this promise from the Old Testament. We see it in several places in the Old Testament, but it's this promise, this promise that God's going to do this new thing. And that's what he was doing in the book of Acts after the death and resurrection of Jesus. When he gave the Holy Spirit to his church, he was doing this new thing. And the new thing is that instead of trying to follow the law from the outside in, like here's the Ten Commandments and the regulations that we have on an external sheet of paper or on these tablets of stone, and we're like, okay, I'm going to try to really keep number one, and I'm really going to try hard to keep number two, and number three, and number four, and number five. Instead of doing it that way, because that way fails, because nobody ever was able to keep the law from the outside in. Nobody ever, because the sin problem wasn't dealt with yet. But now that our sin problem is dealt with, right, because of what Jesus did on the cross, when we become believers, the Bible says that, that at the moment of salvation that, that he puts the Holy Spirit in us, Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. The Spirit takes up residence in our, in our heart. And this is God himself. The Holy Spirit is God himself. So what that means is God himself is the power source from the inside of us, moving us, that's what it says, that I'm going to put my spirit in you to make you tender and responsive. I'm going, to, I'm going to move you from the inside out to be obedient. So, so that's why we list the Holy Spirit first, is the Holy Spirit leads us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit is the one that allows us to honor God. And so that's why we see this list of the Spirit in Galatians 5, you know, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness— this is the fruit of the Spirit that this is just the natural fruit that is evident over time from the inside out. So that's the first thing is that we need to depend on the Holy Spirit even to be able to honor God. 
Number two is the Bible. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise, but because we talked about why we can trust the Bible in topic number two of the series, but now in topic number eight of the series, we're talking about the Bible in a different sense. What we say is that the Bible guides us and shows us the attitudes and actions that honor God. So it's, it's more than just the fact that the Bible can be relied on as like a piece of literature that's telling the truth. It's that the Bible is like our guidebook. It's like our handbook. Paul said it like this in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses the scripture to equip his people to do every good work. So we, we see how important scripture is. And so the second, the second key to Christian living is to read the Bible every day. Now we're going to talk more about that in topic number nine. We're going to talk about the discipline of reading the Bible. So we're going to save that to topic number nine, but topic number eight is just kind of framing it out. It's giving us this three-part framework to help us to understand how it is that we can even honor God in our lives. It, it, it requires the Holy Spirit leading us from the inside out. It requires the Bible to guide us so that we even we can even know what's right and what's wrong. And then number three, we need other believers to help us to stay on the right track. So this is where we come back to talking about the church and talking about disciple makers and small groups and how important all of that is to our Christian walk, right? That God doesn't want us to be lone rangers, that we need each other. And, and that if we don't have each other, it's going to be so easy to fall back into sin and sin patterns. Galatians 6 verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So what he's saying is, you know, right after Galatians 5 where he talks about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, now in Galatians chapter 6, Paul finishes by saying, so what happens if a believer screws up? You don't kick them out of the church, you come alongside that person, you gently and humbly help them to get back onto the right path. In other words, we it's not just the Holy Spirit in isolation that leads us. It's not just the Bible paired with the Holy Spirit that guides us. We need this third thing as well. We need other believers to help us to stay on the right track. So this is a place where, where you can again, tell your, the person you're mentoring, like you're one of those people in, in his or her life. Like it's you, you're there to help that person to honor God. You're there to help that person to, to stay on the right track. And, and in fact, they'll be able to play that role for someone else someday. But it's not just one-on-one -on -one mentoring we need. This is a good opportunity to plug small groups this is a good opportunity to plug the local church. So if the person you're discipling isn't plugged into a local church yet, this is a good opportunity to get them connected into the local church. In fact, we talk a little bit about spiritual gifts right here uh, from Romans 12. So this is a good place to introduce that and maybe even cover some additional topics on spiritual gifts. All of that can flow out of topic number eight. Okay, so... That's topic eight. Topic seven was baptism. Topic eight is kind of a big picture framework of the three keys. 
And then topic number nine, the last topic in this Honoring God module is just called the Big Five. And we're talking here about the Big Five spiritual disciplines because we want to make sure that that as you're discipling this person who is either a new believer or maybe just hasn't ever really established spiritual disciplines in their life, it's important for you to lead them in defining these spiritual disciplines and encouraging them to practice them in their daily life. So topic nine is where we really get down to the nitty gritty. And I want to, before I even get into it, I just want to encourage you as a disciple maker. If as I read these five spiritual disciplines, if you, if you struggle in one or more of these areas, I just challenge you to step it up in these areas. Because again, it's really hard to lead someone to a place that you've never been. So if you struggle, not, I'm not saying you have to be perfect in these five disciplines, but if you really struggle in one or more of these, like confess that to your, the person you're mentoring. Just say, hey, I'm trying to work on this myself. I'm not perfect at these either. I'm trying to grow in one of these areas as well. All right, with that in mind, let me just list off the five, the big five spiritual disciplines. Number one, prayer. Make a habit of talking to God, building a relationship with him like any other person. So we give some tips in this lesson about prayer, how to do it. There's some additional topics on prayer in the library that, that I encourage you to, to take a look at with the person you're mentoring. Um, there's all kinds of great conversations around the topic of prayer in the library. But the first discipline is prayer, connecting to God through prayer. Number two is reading the Bible. And so we, we talk about two different ways to read the Bible. Number one is devotional reading, which is just reading the Bible every day. In fact, I would encourage you with the person you're mentoring to maybe download the YouVersion app on your phone and to learn how to use it and do a Bible reading plan together. That's a real simple way to help the person you're discipling to get into devotional reading. So that's the first thing, is reading the Bible devotionally. The other kind of Bible reading is what we would call Bible study. And that's where you set aside special times for a deeper dive on the Bible. So it's a, it's a, good, chance, a good opportunity for you to introduce kind of two, two ways to read your Bible, devotionally and also Bible study. So that was discipline number two. So number one is prayer. Number two is Bible study. Discipline number three, we just call connection. And again, we, we talked a little bit about this in, the, in topic number eight, but this is where we talk about it in terms of a spiritual discipline. It's actually a spiritual discipline to connect with God's people. And there are three ways to connect. Large, small, and individual. So large, Connecting with God in the large sense is the church, going to church, Sunday morning, Saturday night, whatever, like on a regular basis, going to a good Bible-based church. Small is in a small group. Encourage people to get connected to a small group. That's a great way, a small group or a small group Bible study. That's a great way to connect to God's people. And then number three is one-on-one -on -one individual mentoring, which again, if the person that you're discipling has gotten this far, you've you, you know, they're, they're learning that discipline of uh, disciple making and connecting with you and, and studying, the God, studying God's word with you and, and, and all the stuff that comes along with connecting in that way. So that's the third discipline. Discipline number four is giving. Now we talk about giving like this. Giving should be three things. It should be periodic, which means 
weekly, monthly, quarterly, some people do it yearly, whatever, but it should be periodic because it's kind of like an act of worship, right? When we give, it's, a, it's an act of worship. We periodically give, we make it a habit. Remember, these, these are the habits. So if it's not periodic, then it's not a habit, right? So that's number one. Number two, it should be proportionate. Now, we're not saying that the tithe, that people have to tithe, like give 10%. We don't teach that at Pursue God. I, I personally believe that the tithe is a principle, but that the, or that the tithe is kind of, a, of an example of a, of a greater principle. The greater principle is that you should give in proportion to what you take in. So the tithe is a good benchmark, right? 10% is a good benchmark. I always teach people, shoot for 10% at first. So if you're, if you're not used to giving at all, then give 2% of your income because giving should be proportionate. And then stretch yourself to give 3% and then stretch yourself to give 5%. And eventually you'll get to 10%. But guess what? You don't have to stop at 10%. Why don't you stretch yourself and give... 15%. So the tithe, the tithe is a good benchmark, but hopefully you get beyond the tithe and you give more than 10% of your, of your income to the kingdom of God. That's how I like to think about it. Now we'll talk about what that exactly means here in a second. But the last thing, so it should be periodic, it should be proportionate, and the last thing, it should be painful. It should be, it should be a little bit painful. It should be sacrificial. If you're giving and it doesn't hurt, then, then, it's, then it's not a discipline, is it? Because disciplines hurt. So your giving should be a little bit painful. That's why, that's why it should increase. It, it should start at 2% and 5% and 10% and eventually more. Because should, you should be sacrificing something to give. Think about how much Jesus sacrificed for you. And so your financial giving should be sacrificial as well. Now, let me talk a little bit about where to give. I always tell people to give to, to three places. Okay, number one, give to your local church. You should give proportionately to your local church. That's the first thing. Number two, hopefully you have some missionaries that you support and you should give to missionaries. And then number three, and I, this is what I always challenge people who use, the, who use the Pursue God tools, is you should give to Pursue God. You should give to a ministry like Pursue God. It's, it's, it is a missions organization. But when I, when I said number two, give to missionaries, I'm talking about individual missionaries overseas. Number, number three is to give to organizations like PursueGod.org. Now, this is what Tracy and I do. This is what my wife and I do. We give, we give 10% of our giving, of our income, we give to our local church. On top of that, we give we give sacrificially to a couple of missionaries that we support overseas. And then number three, we give another uh, probably close to 5%, if not more at this point, to PursueGod.org. Because we, we want to continue to expand the resources of Pursue God. We want to see the ministry of Pursue God go, get into more churches and homes. You know, the, the marketing, we want to see the marketing budget of Pursue God grow so we can spread the word and get more people using these really simple disciple-making tools. Um, Pursue God is a, is a humble 501c3 ministry uh, that, that is just, you know, we don't have a paywall for our resources. We really want it to be freely available to the world so that people 
can make disciples with it. So as a result, we really are dependent on giving of, for the most part, individuals, and for the most part, individuals who use the Pursue God resources. So if you've made it this far that you're taking the fast track, the training edition of the pursuit, that means that you are using the tools at Pursue God to make disciples. So I would just encourage you to check out the donate page at PursueGod.org and sign up to, to become one of the levels of givers. There's different levels of monthly giving that you can give. And, and Tracy and I are, are the highest level of giver on there. And we encourage you to pick a giving level and then eventually grow in the grace of giving and give more and more. But more than anything, what we're talking about here is, is making sure that you're, the person you're discipling understands giving and it's helpful for you to make that part of your discipleship of them. So if you need to grow in this, you should grow in this as well and then encourage them to. Okay, so, so far here are the four or the five habits. Number one, prayer. Number two, reading the Bible. Number three, connecting. Number four, giving. And the last habit, the last discipline that every Christian should practice. Now, there's more than five, but the fifth one in our list is disciple-making. That everyone should be about helping someone else pursue God. And that's what the, the last module is all about. The last three topics in the pursuit, topic 10, 11, and 12, are the training topics in the pursuit. And so we'll save that for next time. Hey listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we want to make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit PursueGod.org forward slash donate.